hand clap of praise. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, worship team. Bibles with me, if you will, and let's go back over to 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17, as you're turning there, uh, I want to encourage all of the ladies. There's going to be a Women of Purpose Bible study. It's going to be over in room 300. It's going to be start on September the 6th. It's going to be there on Tuesday. And uh, Patricia Wilson will be leading that five-week Bible study. And so building a house of prayer. I, I believe that's a great subject. And she's put it in a time slot that maybe accommodate some working ladies that they can come out during lunch. But uh, that's going to be noon starting September the 6th. Also, our ministerial credentialing and enrichment class, there's open enrollment now. That class is going to start on September the 4th. And then next, this coming Sunday, uh, we're excited to, to start our kids' life. And that's going to be over next door in room 303 somewhere. Just follow the noise. You'll get there. All right. We'll be the ones hooping and hollering in the back, disrupting everybody else because we can. All right. And then next Wednesday, our uh, boys and girls ministry will be moving over uh, to, to Wednesday night. So let's look here in uh, 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter. We're going to be re begin reading here in just a moment. Last week, we talked about the giant killer and how that David represents a type of Christ. And before we got ourselves ready to face the giant last week, amen? And if you, if you wasn't, we're going to get you ready in about five minutes. We're getting the crash course. And the crash course in getting ready to face a giant is knowing who Christ Jesus is. And then knowing who we are in him. And we, what we see there is Goliath came out and he was wearing his bronze attire, his helmet, his coat, his, his, his leg armor, all made of bronze, all made of judgment. Every time the enemy comes after you, it's in judgment. Every time the enemy wants to hinder you, stop you, he comes at you and tells you that God hasn't done enough, you're not enough, and you can't make it. He comes at you at judgment. Then Saul decided that he would send David out and so he wanted to do the very thing that Goliath was doing, and he wanted, to, he wanted to put his helmet of bronze, judgment, on his head and his coat and send him out. But I'm glad to see that David said, look, I can't, I can't fight with this. So he took the, he took, as we saw last week, he took the judgment off. Amen. How many know that there is yet now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus? If you're feeling condemnation, it's all right, child of God. Just step back over into Jesus. Amen? Amen? Just reposition. Just stop parking your brain and your thought life in judgment and get back over into the, into the relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, that's not, an, uh, that's not a license to sin. Let me tell you, when you truly discover righteousness, uh, you will out-holy the holiest. Because your righteousness doesn't come from this world. It is extraterrestrial. It's something God gives us because we put our faith in his completed work. And it doesn't take us back into the place of bondage. It sets us free. I have no craving for the things that I came out of. 
God has delivered not only me from that, but he's delivered the cravings from me. Those of you that are struggling in those areas, let me tell you, God can cure the cravings. He can take away the cravings where you want something better. You want something richer. You want something more fulfilling. So here David said, I, I got to take this stuff off. What did David do? He said, I got to get this judgment off and just reveal who I am. I'm David. It's amazing that David's name is mentioned 38 times in this chapter. David's name is mentioned 38 times. You say, what's the significance of that? Well, the fact is, David's name means beloved. Beloved means that you are greatly loved, that you're dearly loved, that you're genuinely loved, you're authentically loved, you're absolutely loved by God. The beloved. You think about that, but how does that pertain to how does David represent Jesus as the beloved? Because when you look to the scriptures and you see where Jesus was baptized in the Jordan and the Father's voice came from heaven, he said, this is my son, my beloved son, in who I am well pleased. What is faith? faith? Without faith, it is impossible to please God because they that believe in God must believe that he is and is a rewarder of those that diligently seek after him. If you want to be pleasing to God, put your faith in Jesus, not in anything else. Put your hope and confidence in God and see when the Lord sees, the Father sees you, put your faith in the completed work of Christ. He's like, now I'm pleased. Now I'm pleased at the fact that you realize that you couldn't make it on your own. You're not going to do it on your own, but you put your trust and your confidence in the risen Savior. Now you're pleasing to me. Amen? So as we look and we see here in this passage, the beloved, now we're ready to face the giants. Amen? I want you to look here in 1 Samuel 17 as we are standing toe-to-toe with the giants in Jesus' name as the beloved. Now we're going to look at Jesus first and then we're going to see our where we fit in here. But if David, and I won't take the time to weave those together, but David is a type of Christ and he is the ultimate giant killer. Do you know that in David's reign as king, he exterminated all the giants in the land. Pointing us to the cross when Jesus Christ faced the ultimate giant, sin, Satan, and self, rose again on the third day. He defeated all the giants in his reign. Let's look here, 1 Samuel 17. We will read down a ways as we're looking here as David is a type of Christ. <clears throat> and here, David is taken off. Beloved has taken off the judgment. Beloved has, come on folks. Beloved has taken off judgment and just exposed belovedness, beloved identity. He said, I'm gonna go face the enemy in my beloved identity. I'm gonna go face the enemy, not in judgment. I'm taking off the armor. I'm not Saul. I can't do this like Saul. I'm gonna do it as I know how to do it. I'm taking off judgment and I'm gonna stand in belovedness. Now look there in verse 40. Then he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. 
And he put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand. He drew near to the Philistine. Now the Philistine came and began drawing near to David, and the man who bore the shield, that is Goliath's shield bearer, went before him. When, and when the Philistine looked about and saw, he disdained him. In other words, he belittled David. You ever been belittled by the enemy? Now, for he was only a youth, ruddy, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air, to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day, verse 46, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give your carcass to the camp of the Philistines, to the birds of the air, to the wild beasts of the field, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all of the assembly know, that all of the assembly know. That the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David. David hurried, and he ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and he slung it, struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sunk into his forehead. And he fell upon the face of the earth. And David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in David's hands. David Therefore David ran, stood over the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of the sheath, killed him, cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. So the men of Israel, Judah, arose, shouted, pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley. Now, let's stop there. Let's stop there. As we look here, I've, I've always got questions. I, I preach this text, preach this text, preach this text, and there's always questions. There's always questions there that pop up that I'm still, I'm still reaching for the answers for. Why was David allowed to fight? Of all the people there, why was David allowed to fight? You know, was he at the top of his debate class and he just provided a persuasive argument to Saul? Could, could that be the case where he just was such a, had such charisma that he could, you know, talk to Saul and, and Saul would say, yeah, yeah, this, it, this is a convincing argument. You go on out there and do that. Could it be the fact that n- nobody else was standing in line? You don't have any other volunteers. Let's see, uh, David's at the 10. He wants to go face the giant. Tell him to take the number. Tell him to take a number. Oh, here you go, David, number one. So he calls him in. Was it because of the relationship between between Saul and David? Potentially, very possibly. That that had to have some bearing on on the fact that David was the one that was called out. But you think about it, though. 
even the even the Goliath said, "Look, this is a this is a good-looking young teenage boy, and you're coming out to me like I'm a, some sort of dog, and you're gonna you got your sticks in your hand, and this is the best that Israel has to offer." And here's Saul sending a shepherd boy out in to fight this battle. If David gets killed, is this not going to look bad on his leadership? I don't know, just some food for thought. Why was David allowed to go out and fight? Could it be because he was anointed? And maybe the persuasion was the fact that he was the he was anointed. Saul was in the position, but David was the anointed one. He was anointed to be king over all of Israel. And someone had to do something. It was a crisis situation. This was not going to continue. I don't know what restrained the Philistines those 40 days. Maybe the timing of the Lord. Maybe the timing of the Lord was just saying, hey, you guys devise a plan. This will be your plan. You stay out there for 40 days, but on the 40th day, I've got somebody going to show up to face your challenge. I got somebody on the 40th day is going to come out of the wilderness and lead my children into the promised land. On the 40th time, when you got out there and you had them all shaking in their boots, wait just a minute, there's someone rose up. It is the anointed one, and he walks into the valley of the shadow of death, and he fears no evil because death has no hold upon him. He will walk through that valley and step on the other side. I don't know why things happen the way things happen. But I do know this, the anointed shepherd king <laughs> would eliminate any threat to the flock. Didn't make any difference if it was a bear. Didn't make any difference if it was a lion. Didn't make any difference if it was a giant. Whatever and whoever threatened the flock, the covenant people of Israel, he eliminated. Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. He has come to destroy him and he has eliminated everything that threatens the covenant people of God. Amen? So, David goes to the brook. He picks up five smooth stones. I've always questioned, why five? Why five stones? Maybe it was David's lucky number. No. Maybe he planned, maybe he planned, I, I need a little backup. Maybe the shepherd's bag that he had wouldn't hold any more than that. Maybe he planned on killing more than one Philistine that day. Maybe he was thinking, I'm going I'm to take out five and, you know, I don't want to be stingy or selfish. I'm going to let somebody else do, get a few. But I'm going to get the first five. I'm going to drop the big one and they can go after the little ones. But any, I don't know. Could it have a spiritual meaning why he picked up five stones? Could it be the representing in the hand of Jesus, the five-fold ministry, the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the evangelist, the teacher? Could, could, it, could it be that, that, that the Lord is showing you and I maybe an indicator that, that I'm going to use my church to 
go and to strike down the enemies, uh, the, the, the uncircumcised voices that come against my people. I'm gonna, when, when they get in my hand, I, they're going to equip the people to go out and become giant killers themselves. I, I don't know. I don't know. But I found an interesting fact that they were in the Valley of Elah. The Valley of Elah that we talked about last week, Hitchcock Bible Dictionary says it, it means curse or perjury. But in that, in that place, that brook that was there, where he picked up the five smooth stones, that brook actually twisted ironically and weaved itself and traced itself all the way back to the city of Gath. What's the significance of that? Well, who's from Gath? Goliath. So, not to read too much into the text, but could it be? Could it be that the very brook that traces back to Gath, that possibly that the Lord or David in this instant reach over in, in the very brook that traces all the way back to uh, back to Goliath's hometown, that, that place, that gaff, which means a, a wine press and that pressure. And, 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 and the Philistines, you know, the Philistines come from a, from a man whose, whose name is Mezria. Mezria. And Mezria, he started the, the, the clan of the Philistines. Mezria means tribulation tribulation either to be in a a a, a, a feeling of uh, immense trouble or a state uh, of severe suffering and I, I'm just looking at the Word of God and knowing the nature of Jesus Christ uh, and whenever those weapons that were formed against us they will not prosper God takes those weapons and now he uses them against the enemy and I don't know about you but I believe the Lord is not just interesting in felling the giants that were before us and top them and severing their heads but I believe the Lord wants to trace all the way back to the origins of that place the origin of that giant the origin of why that fear keeps coming up and that insecurity keeps rising up it's not just the insecurity that God wants to destroy it's not just the addiction God wants to destroy it is the very source of the thing that the Lord is after so we see Maybe the significance is on the actual place where he draws the, the stones. But notice when David goes out against the, the giant. And now he's, the giant is belittling him. Now he's looking at him as no real threat. As we see that he falls to the ground and never even drew his sword. Maybe because he wasn't worried about what was coming at him. But he is there and he said, I'm, I'm going to tear your head off, little boy. Now, last week I told you we wouldn't, I've got to up the rating of this message. This is, we've got to up the rating because we're fixing to get graphic. We, 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 this is not for, for all audiences, so we've got, we got to raise it up because there's going to be some blood and guts. 
as we look at this because now we're just we're elevating it and because of the violence and the in the in the crude things that the Lord did to the enemy we've got to raise the ratings okay but what we see here is that in this passage of Scripture we know that the weapons of our warfare they're not carnal but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds we understand according to the Word of God that the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God so that when we come against the enemy, our offensive weapon is the word of the Lord. But how many know the enemy has an arsenal of weapons too? And is it too much of a stretch to know that the arsenal the enemy uses against us is no different than what God uses against him? And that's words. Now the difference is, is the word of God is the end all. Amen? The word of God is the, is the power. But the enemy would like to twist the Word of God. He would like to twist our understanding. He would like to put thoughts in our mind that are opposite of the will of God. And David said, you come to me with a, with a sword, you come to me with a spear, and you come to me with a javelin. You've come to me with words, words, and more words. Or other words, you've come to me with lies, lies, and more lies. You come to me with a sword, that's when you get real up close with the enemy. When there's sword combat, you're right there. That's when the enemy starts to put thoughts into our mind. When he puts thoughts into our mind and then all of a sudden we begin to react on those, what have we released? We have opened up the corridors of hell into the situation instead of the power of God. Andrew's done a magnificent study. I would encourage you to go back and listen to it in life class. I'm not telling you to forsake your life class. I'm just telling you to look online and listen to it. It's powerful as she explains what the gates of hell represent. You see, but the enemy came along and he put into the thought life of David later on. David the man put into his mind in the end of his age end of his time toward the end of his reign to number Israel now David had a choice that day Joab was telling him don't do it don't do it man this is not good you you're strong don't go out and number the people so you can declare how strong you are keep trusting in God but instead David reacted to that and as a result of that destruction came upon Israel the Bible says that Judas, that Satan put it in his mind to go out and betray Jesus. See, Satan didn't make him do it. But what he did is he put the thought. Now why, how can gates of hell represent the words or the thoughts? Because at the gate, folks, that's where the commerce and the governance takes place in the city. So our mind is the gateway to either victory or defeat, either heaven or hell. Either know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? D Jacob had a vision of a ladder extended to heaven, and when he woke up that next morning, he said, well, no, this is Bethel. What is Bethel? This is the house of God. This is none other than the gate of heaven. See, what happens is we have the ability to choose either heaven or hell. Who will the devil use? The same one God will use. 
depending on whether or not we will listen to the lies and, and react upon the lies. But here is David who represents Christ our King and he says you come to me with a sword and a spear all you have is lies lies and lies all you have are thoughts all you want to bring up is my past all you want to do is try to throw the javelins to destroy me in the future you want to stop me where I am at you come to me with a sword and a javelin and a spear but all you have and when you come after me are lies but what I am coming after you with is the name of Almighty God. You have lies, I have a name. You have lies, I have a name. That name, he said, is the Lord of hosts. Jehovah Shab... Shab... Say it for me. Sabaoth. Um, sh there's about three different ways to pronounce that thing. Choose the one you like best. So, Sabioth, Sabioth. Let's go with that one. All right, Lord of Hosts. You couldn't tell, but I did practice that. <laughs> I was trying to find the correct pronunciation. I listened to so many of them. I'm like, now which one's which? Lord of Hosts. That's what we're going with. Okay. But what we see is that means that He is the Lord over all of heaven and all of oath, all of earth, all of earth. That which goes forth and for armies and hosts, the name declares God's reign over heaven and earth, over all armies, earthly and spiritual. Folks, when we stand in the name, in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, when we stand in the name of Jesus, what we're standing in is the name that is above every other name. The name that is over all of the armies and all of the hosts of earth and heaven. We stand in the powerful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here is David standing in this valley against this giant. As he stands there, the enemy starts moving towards him. I just figure him, him kind of sauntering out. This man who, you probably look at his sword and he's got so many notches in it that it's probably ridiculous. He's called the champion because he's killed more than anybody else in that camp. Anyone that has challenged him, he's been able to defeat. I'll venture to guess he's probably undefeated because he's confident enough to challenge a, a, a death challenge on that day. But his arrogance got the best of him. Because what he doesn't understand in the kingdom of God is that opposites are true. It's not the strong that, that conquer, but it's the weak. It's whenever you say, God, I'm going to surrender my weakness, my, all I have into your hands. I'm just going to believe, God, that you are more than, more than enough. And Lord God, I'm going to stand vulnerable out in front of it all. And I'm just going to say, God, I trust in you and you alone. And in so doing... The enemy is not ready for that. 
Now, I don't know if he was just getting a big chuckle as he saw this little shepherd boy not even waiting. Maybe it probably just began to stun him because David didn't wait. The Bible says that he hurried and he ran. And I believe he just probably put that rock in that sling and he's just taken off after him. And I don't know if Goliath was standing there wondering what's about to happen and if he can even do anything with that. Does he not see my armor setting here? Does he not see that I, I've got this judgment on my head? This coat weighs more than he does. My spearhead will just go right through him because it weighs 25 pounds. And here is David running, running with a sling and a rock in his hand. What is he going to do? Kathud! This nine foot six tree just drops. Just because the rock hit him so hard, the Bible says it sunk into his head. He will bruise his heel and he'll crush his head. David's got a little dilemma though. I don't have a sword and Saul's all the way back over there. I don't want to take somebody else's sword. I think I'll just take Goliath's sword. Where is that thing? Let's get over big boy. There it is. Pulls it out. A sword that the Bible says is unlike any other. Oh, you gonna kill me with this? Oops. You're gonna take me out with this sword, with these words, with these lies, with these. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna keep bringing up. Uh, I'm stepping twenty legs. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna bring you're gonna you're gonna bring up all the the things of my past, and you're gonna keep telling me what I can't do, what I won't do, and how God doesn't like me. Wait a minute. I don't have any of that judgment stuff on me. All I'm living in is the belovedness of God. All I'm living in is the beloved. See my identity. God loves me. God approves of me. I'm righteous in Jesus. I'm righteous in Jesus. And now I've got in my hand the very weapon you meant to destroy me with. Oh, what am I going to do with this? Oh, what am I going to do with this? Oh, let me see. Dolores, I think we're about his shoulders here. Let's move up a little bit. I think Lee... I'm, Nine foot say he's got to be somewhere along in here if our measurement is is correct. And then though I told you the rating was going up. Now I mean, he just cuts his head off. Blood and guts and all the goo just begins to come out. You think he took it off with one blow? Okay, that's all I got. Now I don't know when he, he grabs his melon head. I don't know if he grabbed it by the hair. Probably. He kept the head, Bible says. I'm keeping this thing. It's going on the mount. It's going, honey, I don't care if you like it or not. We're stuffing this thing, and it's going right above the fireplace. 
Yeah, that's where it's going. Why else do you keep ahead? Why else, you know, you go hunting, it's just what you got. I got this, I got this. Taxidermy, here I come. I, I, I need to, we're going to have to stuff. I don't care if you make it lifelike or not. Let's just burn it all off and just look at the skull. I don't know why he kept the thing. He just kept it. But what I do know is that he stopped the very, the very mind of the enemy. He stopped the voice of the enemy. When you cut off a head, it's got no more ability to talk to you anymore. It can't say anything. What'd you say? Oh, you said nothing. That's what you said. You said nothing. You said nothing about my past. You can't say anything about my future. You don't have my family. They don't belong to you. Oh, Lord God, that thing's getting heavy. See, the weapon the enemy means to destroy you with. And the reason why he keeps bringing it up and bringing it up and bringing it up is because he is threatened by the God who lives inside of you. So David destroyed Goliath that day. But see, the extermination of four other giants that we know of did not come by David's hand. It came by David's men. You're going to hear this part of the message again, but I think it's important to hear it now. John tells us that Jesus, First John tells us that Jesus was manifest, manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Do you agree with that? Do you agree with me that David is a type of Christ and he was manifest there? He manifests the destruction of the enemy, killing the giant, stopping the lies. But that, in my estimation, was an extremely important event that day. But it wasn't the end of the story. Because those soldiers, covenant people, they're, they're struck down by fear. Because what they didn't realize is what David realized. See, they, they didn't go face the enemy because they thought they were facing the enemy by themselves. That's the origin of fear. The origin of fear is you have to source this thing and there is, you've got to go reason your way through it. You've got to go bully your way through it. You've got to be strong enough. And if it works, then you get all the praise. But if it fails, you get all the misery because it didn't work. But David had a different spirit about him. 
the spirit of Saul was the fact that he was looking there and he thought everything rests upon him, that there was going to be failure, it was going to be his fault. And so he wore that to the place that he was so bound that he was not able to get up. He was anointed just like David was anointed, but he couldn't get up because he was so engrossed in fear that he couldn't move out of that throne room place that he was in because he had his butt in the throne when he should have had his heart in the field. David got up. He said, you come to me with your strength. I come to you with the source you don't understand because you are, uns- you are not uh, circumcised. You are uncircumcised. You are not in covenant with my God. So I don't have to listen to you because you're a liar. Goliath. But when David struck him down, when he called upon the God of heaven and earth who controls it all, whose name is above every name, and we have the assurance greater than what even David the man had that day because we understand that Jesus Christ has the name that is above every name, and we stand against the enemy. We do not do it in our own strength. When he stood up there, slayed the giant he drug the head and in the sword back I'm just guessing after that plume of smoke of, the, of dust that just cloud of dust that went up after he fell maybe some didn't see what David did but when they looked down and saw the dust settle and saw that blood trail And then they saw David in the clearing. They thought, this little shepherd boy just killed the giant. Boys, let's get up and go. Now they took off. Jesus was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Manifest is to make visible or known what has been hidden or unknown. To manifest, to manifest, to reveal what is previously unknown. And what's been previously unknown to the church is their belovedness in Christ. See, here's the other side of it. All of creation groans for the manifestation of the sons of God. If Jesus was manifest to destroy 
the works of the devil. What is creation moaning? What is creation groaning for? It is groaning for the sweet os, the fully matured sons and daughters of God to manifest the presence of Christ, to make known what was previously unknown, and that is to destroy the works of the devil in our nation, in our generation, to step out from where we're at. Let me say, and as I'm looking into the eyes of the giant killers. It was David who dropped Goliath, but it was David's mighty men that went and destroyed and manifested what he manifested. David killed a giant. Now they are out killing giants. Oh my God, I am so sick to death. It has become irksome in my spirit. The measure of fear that has gripped our world today and more importantly how much it has entangled and it's entwined itself around the heart of the church and I make this covenant with you. I will stand my guard. I will stand my watch and I will declare until every spirit of darkness is broken off of your life. Until every lie of the enemy is destroyed and I believe I'm looking into the eyes of individuals who will say I will stand with you I will believe with you that we will not continue to allow the enemy to destroy our hearts our homes and we will discover so much father has for you has for me come to me lying to me about who I was I don't give a rip you bring up my past because that boy is dead what you're looking at is a new renewed born again version of what I may have some physical resemblance I may be a lot older maybe a little bit uglier maybe I've got a little bit more gray and my, my step is not quite as, as bouncy as it was but what you're looking at is the righteousness in Christ what you're looking at is the fact that God has allowed me through the power of the blood and the word in the name of God to destroy destroy devils in my life so that I don't have to walk that way. I don't have to talk that way. My kids don't have to live that way because there is a new and a brand new day. That's what God has in store. When he takes his javelin in his hand and it's like, I'm gonna, I've got plans for you in the future. Well, plan away. It's not going to stop what God has already done. I just want to see I just want to see you free, your kids free, your kids' kids free. I want to see all the wonderful plans God has in store just to unfold. And what I'm feeling is not my heart. It's his heart. He just lets me lay my head on his breast now and again so I can hear the heartbeat of my God. Father, we need freedom. Father, we need freedom. Lord, I pray for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. 
that the world may see and understand the manifestation of the destruction of the enemy. I want you to stand, if you will. I asked the Lord for something today. It's totally unrelated to anything. The situation had a... Like, Lord, I need today. You ever do that? Like, Lord, today. Let it happen today. And the Lord just impressed upon me. He said, I, I did that for you because I want you to step into this altar tonight with the confidence knowing that what you pray will happen. There are those of you who are going free tonight. I don't care how long it took you to get there. You're going free tonight. Tonight. If you need freedom in your heart, you're just so tired of fear. Gripping your heart. And you're like, tonight, I'm going free. I'm going free. Don't wait on somebody else. I think the first one down is going to get the the biggest dose. Come on. I, I do. Come on. It's like, I'm, I, don't, I don't want any more of this. I don't want any more of this. I don't want any more of this. I'm free. I'm free. Come on. Come on. Come on. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. There's going to be addiction break off of you. There's going to be things that are going to happen. There's going to be things that are going to happen right now. There's, you're going free. Going free. I, I, I want to, tonight. They're going free. Going free.